Hello and welcome to the 100th episode of Scratching the Surface. My name is Jared Fuller and for those of you who are new, I am a designer, writer, and educator based in Brooklyn, New York, and this is my podcast about design criticism and practice. To celebrate 100 episodes, I wanted to do something a little bit different. So joining me today is one of my oldest and closest friends, Rory King. Rory and I met 10 years ago in an intro to typography class when we were sophomores in college, and we were very different. We had different interests, and our work could not have been more different. I think we saw each other as competitors in a way, but that competition ever so slowly turned into collaborations and into a friendship. And... Over the last 10 years, Rory and I have had this ongoing conversation about graphic design and what graphic design means to us, what we want to do with it and what we like and don't like about it. And though our work is very, very different and our careers after we've graduated have been different, we found ourselves asking similar questions and really challenging each other to dig deeper into our own kind of feelings and theories around graphic design. In 2011, kind of shortly after we graduated from college, we started a Uh, a collaboration called Sway that began as this sort of formal experimental publication that uh, really influenced kind of our aesthetics going forward and eventually turned into a short-lived podcast that is very much a precursor to what I'm doing now on Scratching the Surface. Rory is currently in his second year at Cranbrook, but before that he worked as a designer at 2x4 and at the Pratt Institute here in New York. And in this episode, Rory and I talk about our shared history and interest in design. We talk about our collaborations and how they led us to the work that we're doing now. And we also talk about Rory's experience at Cranbrook and kind of where his career is headed next. You know, I've I've spent the last two years talking to 99 people who have influenced my own thinking around design, but I honestly don't think anyone has had as much of an influence on me and my work than Rory. And the conversations I've had on this podcast the last two years, Rory and I have been having with each other for the last 10. And so it means so much to me to have him on this anniversary episode. Remember, if you're a fan of the podcast and want to help support it, you can become a member for $5 a month or $50 a year to receive an exclusive monthly newsletter that has additional content and episode previews. Those memberships really help keep the podcast going. And I just want to take a moment to thank all of you for listening and supporting for the last two years and 100 episodes and following along on this journey. It really means a lot to me and I can't wait to see where it goes next. But for right now, I hope you enjoy this conversation with my very good friend, Rory King. I'm strangely nervous for this episode because I know you so well, and I don't want this to just be us like just talking like we're friends, and anyone listening to this will have no idea what we're talking about, but I also don't want to fake ask you questions about your life that I already know the answer to just for the (laughs) sake of of the listeners and so I was I was really trying to figure out how how we could frame this and I realized that we've known each other for 10 years now Mm -hmm. Uh, and I'm curious I have a very vivid memory of the first time I became aware of you Mm -hmm. and I was curious like do you remember when we met and like that kind of first that first uh it was in a it was like in our typography class right yeah. and but i don't i don't remember how we like 
began collaborating or talking or anything like that. I was, it was just like, I remember being like, oh, this, this kid thinks he's top shit. And guess what? I think I'm top shit. So exactly. He's, <laughs> he's my competition here. Yeah. That, okay. That, that's exactly how I remember it also. And I, I have a very vivid memory of we were working. It was, I guess it was type two and we were working on a magazine. It was the magazine project. Okay. And I, I was really into myself. You were really in, into yourself. Uh, I don't think we had ever talked before. And mm -hmm. I remember the professor, Tracy Infuso Young, who's probably, will probably listen to this, um, <laughs> projected, I was really into modernism and Vignelli at the time. And I yeah. did this, it was all Helvetic and Bodoni. I thought it was like the best thing ever. And then, and sh you know, it was great during the, the critique everyone loved it i was like feeling really good and then yours came up and it was completely not that <laughs> and it was like at the time i guess we called it grunge but i don't think yeah. that even is really like what it was yeah and everyone loved yours too and <laughs> i was really mad and i was also really confused yeah uh and then that's uh, it was the same thing i saw you as competition from yeah. that, that point on. And I don't remember how that uh, changed to collaboration. It, it might just be like, you know, opposites attract or something. Because, uh, yeah, while you were in into, you know, Vignelli, I was into like David Carson. And that's like <laughs> right. all I fucking knew. And I didn't want to follow any of the rules. I was like, I know how to make cool. Not that I knew how to make cool shit, but I was like, I believed in what I was making. And yeah. so I was like, I was like, what does it matter if I know those other things when I like the things I'm making? And um, it's kind of funny because when I eventually, you know, as we went on through school, you know, we both transferred to the same university after community college and um, and stayed in touch and all that. And we did Sway as a collaborative project. And the things we talked about there, like it took me, all those topics took me down towards what you were doing back then, which is very modernist, very like, you know, yeah. ink grids and all that kind of shit. And it's funny that now that I'm in grad school, I'm like back to where I was like way back when, where I'm like, yeah. I, 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 you know, the reason I was lost for the past 10 years is because I wasn't like, I no longer was believing in my work. Why are, you now, put it, why are you putting that on me? You're blaming me. I'm not blaming you. I'm not blaming you. I, I think it's, but I'm, what I'm also trying to say is I think you then, while, while I was going modernist, I feel like you were trying to go, not grunge, but whatever that term is, you know, a little less yeah, yeah, rigid. Yeah. And it's funny how, I don't know that you've come back to the modernist thing or whatever, but like, I think our views have come back full circle to like fresh or I guess that was sophomore year yeah. of, of college. And again, to me, it's like all of a sudden I've now have this belief again in my work and in my interests, which drove all that work back in undergrad, um, where between undergrad and now grad school, I, yeah. I was, I wasn't doing that. So yeah, yeah it's kind of funny to look back on all that. I mean, I think you're right. And I want to talk about, I want to like pick apart some of that a little bit because I, I totally feel the same way. And it's why I wanted to have you on for the, for this like anniversary episode really, because 
you know, so many of the conversations that I have on the podcast I've been having with you for the la- literally the last 10 years. And, <laughs> and I, I do think it was like an opposites attract kind of thing. And I, I do think it was like, a, I didn't get what you were doing. You didn't get what I was doing. And somehow that, that pushed both of us, but it also, yes. it did it like our interests that started completely opposite started to come closer together. And and I remember the last couple years of college being still to this day, some of like the most creatively satisfying work mm-hmm. that I've done. How do you feel about that I don't want to spend all our time talking about just this. I don't want this to be a college yeah, memory yeah. episode, but <coughs> how did how did you feel about like those last couple of years as you were starting to like develop a style that was yours, but also like thinking about trying to get work and like th- trying to figure out like what a good designer mm-hmm. is and like what was expected of you and that sort of thing. How what. As you look at back on that now, what are your thoughts on that? Um, it was it was all necessary, but it's also extremely disappointing. Like, what do you mean? I, it, like, I just if I could just tell myself what I know now, it's just you know hindsight's twenty twenty kind of thing. It's yeah. Uh, yeah, like I spent so much time trying to fit in mm-hmm. with or not fit in, to be accepted by, like, the design community. And in the end, that just, like, trapped me for a really long time. And so my final year of undergrad, like, yes, I was still doing this, like, work that I, that you know, that was driven by, like, personal interests and all that. But, like, at the same time, I was, like, I became aware of trends Mm. and and other you know, other things happening within graphic design and those elements started to find their way into my work, which isn't necessarily bad, but it started, it became the driving force in the end. I remember when we were in college, really liking you as a person. And I liked how you talked about design and we got along really well and we like hung out all the time. But like, if I'm really honest, I don't know if I liked your work. And I think it kind of made me angry mm-hmm. uh, in, in a way because it was not what I thought was like good design like you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And now for me, you know, looking back, I am kind of upset and disappointed that I didn't push myself more in a, an experimental way mm-hmm. or in a, a kind of formally interesting way because I was because uh, all I cared about was making sure that like my my type was current correctly or that I you know had good rags and a good grid right. system um and one of my one of my like very clearest memories was I guess it was probably our senior year and and this is probably when you were starting to think about trends and you put the you, you made a poster that had like a squiggly line on it <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and everybody got so mad at you yeah. And I remember that, like, l- literally, I remember that being a kind of turning point for me in in why were people getting so mad at this or saying that this was wrong? like, what makes this wrong? And nobody had a good answer mm-hmm. for it. And and I, I really do think that 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 you doing that kind of helped 
helped me begin to question these things that I thought were gospel. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I would have said that at the time or even, you know, I think it, it the same. It was, you know, years later, this kind of questioning of what all of this stuff was, I think started, <laughs> I don't mean to like put too fine a point on with like that moment when you put a stupid I, I remember on a poster uh, and, and like literally that. everybody was just so mad about that. Yeah. And they were like, you can't do that. And that was just, that was also like a turning point for me where I was like, who says who yeah. like, like it looks good. And in the, like, what does it matter? Right. Like it looks good. It, I don't know. I feel at the time, if I remember the project correctly, like it had some sort of meaning behind it yeah. or, you know, like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It, it is weird that that was like the, uh, cause I, I, yeah, I absolutely remember that. Moment. I can yeah. picture the classroom. I can picture it like the corner of the room where we're standing. Yeah. That memory is, is so specific to me, but why, yeah. why was that a turning point for you? Cause you were already doing like, you already didn't care. You were already mm-hmm. trying to like push those limits. I think that was like, cause that's, the squiggly line came from, again, when I started becoming aware of trends and stuff mm. and like I saw it on something and threw it on one of my posters. And I think it was this like, because my, again, my work up to that point was very like grungy and like based off of punk, yeah. you know, shit and all that. And I think that was like, oh, this came from like some fashion whatever and like and here i am throwing on it and people are upset about it and i don't know i i think it was i think it was this moment where like oh even something mainstream or popular can be problematic Mm. and i think i'm always in the pursuit of the problematic because i think i don't know if you want to get into theory here but but just that yeah, I, I think problematic things are what drive culture. And um, what do and, you what do you it, mean when you say problematic? Problematic in that it like makes someone angry, or makes someone question, yeah, yeah, yeah. question something. Um, I think that's the only way to make people like inquire. Yeah, and 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 I feel like if you even dissect popular culture things outside of graphic design, music, movies, whatever, you'll find that the things that stick in the long run are problematic in some sort of way. Um, and anyway, so yeah, I think that was a moment where I saw that. But uh, but it's funny, I don't think I actually pursued the idea of pop until very recently in the past couple of years. It's maybe Maybe to sum up this problematic thing a little bit better, um, my man, Marshall Berman here, uh, he's, he's the fucking best. Everyone should read him. Um, but this quote he has, um, okay. I want to end this essay with F- Franz Kafka's help all along. I know I've been trying to convince people to seek out suffering, conflict, trouble. Some readers will probably find this perverse and wonder why they should bring more trouble on themselves. Kafka can suggest a reason why. You can hold back from the suffering of this world, he writes. You have free permission to do so, and it is in accord with your nature, but perhaps his very holding back is the one suffering you could have avoided. Uh, he, Marshall says, open public space 
is a place where people can actively engage the suffering of the world together, and as they do it, transform themselves into a public. So I think that is like, again, with pop, pop brings people together and makes these communities, um, and I think that quote, Marshall's talking about public spaces in cities, but I think public space just anywhere, um, and that idea of seeking out suffering is what keeps us together is a... is a good way. And, and that's what I mean by seeking out problematic uh, yeah, work. I, I want it, to, it's interesting to hear you say that. And, and especially as we're thinking about when we were in college, because, you know, so much of your work was, you know, was about your interests in like mm-hmm. punk rock and black metal and, and all these things that, you know, there was a certain kind of like darkness to it. And yeah. then you, I, I, I guess what I want to do is like, I want to, quickly try to like chart these 10 years of how you kind of return to that mm-hmm. um and not to make this too much about myself but <laughs> <laughs> how how the stuff that we did how the collaborations that we did either you know helped get you there or helped not get or, or delayed you getting there because mm-hmm. there are a couple things that we did together that while i would not now consider them good or yeah. uh, things that I would, you know, show off in my portfolio. I count as very foundational to how I got to the work that I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I kind of, you know, honestly, and I don't know if uh, this might not be interesting to anybody else except me, but mm-hmm. I know how I feel about those collaborations and we've never actually like talked about them in retrospect. Uh, And I'm kind of curious, like what your experience doing those were and, and the two, I mean, both of them fall under this, this name sway that we've has, have been using for 10 years as a collaboration, actually, now that I think about it, but one was a, a like PDF publication and one was a podcast. And for me, the podcast is a very clear connection to what I'm doing now but the publication is interesting in that it was what I realize now is that it was this like formal experimentation for mm-hmm. myself. And it was a way for me to, that was where I broke out of these kind of, this, this sounds so dramatic, but like the chains of modernism that I thought yeah. I, I had to do. So I guess to, to set it up, Sway was an idea that we had when we were in college, we were going to make a publication. Long story short, we couldn't agree on what that publication was. So nothing ever happened mm-hmm. with it except a couple like mock-ups of, of pages. We were both out of school and we were kind of missed the experimentation of school, kind of like wanted to do something together, wanted to, you know, we were kind of opened up to a lot of new work that we hadn't seen before. And so we made this like, I forget what it was. Was it like a monthly thing or like weekly? I forget. Uh, the I mean, we did we did each issue in a week, but it it just came out at a whenever we wanted. Yeah. And so we had a theme, and then we like split the magazine down the middle, and we each had to design a certain number of pages around that theme. And themes were as random as space to Edward Mybridge to the number five, uh, mm-hmm. and we just had to design stuff for it. And for me, that was like very that's where I started experimenting with form literally for the first time in my life in ways that I still think about today. But 
you were already experimenting with form. So what did that project do for you? Uh, the experimentation for me was to restrain myself. Oh, do the and opposite. Like, yeah, to do the opposite, to like make sure everything was in a grid and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I think I mentioned earlier that like I wish I could have like skipped the past 10 years in a way, but like really you can't like it, yeah. it's all it all had its purpose and I'm actually, you know, grateful for all of it. But um, yeah, I, the the podcast I think was actually the most important thing to me, okay. even though I hated doing it, <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not one for, well, I just don't listen to podcasts and I don't know. I, I think at a certain point while it was like, I felt, I don't know, like I felt like my, like who's to say, like, who cares what I'm, what I'm talking yeah, yeah, about. Yeah. Anyway. I, but yeah, it was, but it was like, in an odd way, like put me on the spot and like made me feel vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, and even the magazine in an odd way, cause we were like trying to like truly like publish it and like get it out there. Yeah. And I think, I think that was, yeah, the, now that I look back is like, I was trying to be vulnerable which kind of leads to the work, some of the work I'm doing here at grad school is, yeah. I, I didn't realize it at the time that that's what I was looking for. And that's, and that's what upsets me about graphic design is I feel like there's a lack of vulnerability. But, um, yeah. Does I, that answer the question? Yeah. And, I, in, in a very short way, I think that was the essence of everything for me. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because, like, I, I – liked the podcast because as much as I want to be a writer or wanted to be a writer writing is still really hard for me and that was a way for me to articulate my ideas in like a really clear way yeah. um, and like totally led to things that I ended up writing and I think you know is what where I kind of what got me into grad school but it was a way it, it was the first time where I felt like I was really kind of really articulating what I feel about this profession and I remember you saying to me how like you got so deep into the theory and the criticism and the writing and the reading that it kind of like paralyzed yeah your making in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And like, you couldn't make anything unless there was like this deep meaning behind it. And, and it had to have, you know, uh, you know, all these kind of layers to it and had to be rooted in some idea. And, and that you were like, I don't, I don't know if any of this matters. Like, I kind of don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. And, and I, I, I think, you know, that was like, what, 2015. And then a couple of years later, you're at Cranbrook, where you're like, completely focused on, like making stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, <laughs> but, but I'm also I'm also very focused on theory. Stuff right? You've too, already so. pulled books off of your shelf yeah. as we talk. But so yeah, how yeah. have you how has I don't know, I have like 20 questions that I'm trying to ask you at once. But I, I, I have I have a, a slight story. So in okay. the very first episode of Sway, the podcast, we we talked, was that the processing, the process? Yeah. One? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, looking back, 
I was talking out of my ass there. Well, like, yeah, I we thought, both were. Uh, sure, sure. But I feel like I was preaching something that I wasn't practicing back then. Mm. And, and now here at Cranbrook, my classmates have opened me up to this realization that, um, you know, the, pro- the processing, the process thing was like, oh, take, I think I said, like, go take a walk and, like, be inspired by, like, nature or something. That shit. sounds familiar now that you yeah. say that. And, um, and I don't think that's necessarily true. The, instead, it's, I think what I was getting at there, and which I am now practicing now, is, is that it's everything other than graphic design is informing what I do within graphic design. And, um, and again, learning from my classmates that also my personal interests, um, and my voice has value Right. and like even the dorkiest shit that I could be into is going to, is going to allow me to find an audience that, that, um, that I can be more intimate with and an audience that believes in what I'm doing. Um, and less of what I was saying earlier about just trying to be accepted by this design community or culture that like, that like just wants to post your shit on a blog and that's it kind of thing. I don't, it's very, it's, it's very hippy dippy, but like, I don't know. I look, I'm not, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I mean, I do disagree with part of what you're saying because I think what you want from graphic design, I, I, I agree with, but I think, I think you're being like way too hard on yourself. I, I don't ever think of you as somebody who was like trying to be accepted or to like do stuff that was, you know, Oh no, absolutely. I I, I will truly admit that the years after that were very much about that. The things I did for the editorial of Sway were very much about, like, trying to be this, like, cool, like, thing. You know, whatever, like, aesthetically was, like, popular back then in a way. Not, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it may have had some Rory King flair on it or something, but it still wasn't, like, how I would approach things now if that makes sense. So how like, uh, so uh, how is it different because look, I'm not I'm not trying to like d- disagree with your memory, but th- like truly I don't mean for this to sound overly sentimental, but like that's the thing that I've always admired about you is that I feel like you have kind of brought so much of your interests and your voice into your work kind of no matter what you're doing and that's been harder for me. And I think like, that's the biggest, one of the biggest things I've learned from you. And so to hear you say that just surprises me. I think, I think maybe, maybe it's, I had opinions throughout that whole span of time. Right. But the opinions were always changing in a way. Mm. And now, or they were opinions from other voices that I was reading from or whatever. Oh yeah. Um, And now now I feel like I'm formulating my own, like really my own opinions. And 
not that they're becoming dogma, but there's less of the whole like flipping back and forth between, oh, I believe this, or now, wait a second, someone else made a better argument. Like, for like I'm making the argument myself, you know, and um, so maybe that's it. Again, it, it's it truly is this. I, I think, and I think I think that's like also a reason. Like I, like I had that stuff on my portfolio website and everything, but like the minute the minute I made something better, those were the first things to like come off my portfolio right. website. Right. And again, it was it's this like weird like. I don't believe in that work kind of thing. And like now I'm believing more in what I do. I, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, well, so something, I mean, something that you said to me when you got into Cranbrook or when you were somewhere in the process of applying to Cranbrook or right after you got in or right after you started somewhere in there, I remember you saying to me that you wanted to, kind of like rediscover what your style was mm-hmm. and I have I have like two questions around that because one I think style is an interesting word there and it mm-hmm. wasn't like what your opinions are or what you know your work was it was like what like what is your style and mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm curious and and it sounds like what you're saying is that like some of that is starting to reveal itself how did that how did that happen and why was style something that you felt like you had lost in some way? You know what I, you know what I mean? I, uh, yeah, I guess a lot of what I was reading and you mentioned this earlier is, is that it paralyzed me because a lot of, a lot of, I think design theory, which I don't think it's necessarily theory, but so theory and air quotes there is, um, just talks a lot about function and less about meaning and, style to me when spoken that way about it has to have a function and all that shit form follows function all that style then is like it's the essence of everything that we do and to to abandon that to make it secondary just doesn't make any sense to me Mm -hmm. it like style is what creates culture it's not the fucking function of it or some, I mean, in some cases, sure. But like, I, I, yeah, I think, I think that's why I was obsessed with style so much going into it. And yeah, I just like, it, it just became this idea that like, why can't a designer's voice matter? You know, yeah. like why, why does it have to fall under all these whatever trends and, tropes and stuff like so why did you think this question sounds way more uh antagonistic than i mean it to be but why what was it about cranbrook that you thought would help you get back to that place or to find that style that you were looking for and how has that experience been so far um i think cranbrook i mean the reason i applied i felt like it was like one of the few schools that like truly embraced that idea of style and that, that a lot of things can come from form rather the other way around. And when I came for my interview and I interviewed with, uh, Elliot Earls, the artist and resident here at Cranbrook, uh, of the 2d department, he, 
he he's he told me there like i was like dude i'm kind of afraid to like come here like you guys are a little bit nutty you know there's like there's no classes like like how how does how does this work and he kind of told me this line which was like he's like you showed me your portfolio here he's like this is fucking fantastic like what's what are you afraid of like this is two years to fuck around and he's like if you fail here at doing that like you always can just fall back on what you're already good at Mm. like take this as an opportunity to like yeah like you're you're coming here because you you want to get out of the crowd right but like if it all fails you can still slip right back into the crowd it was like you know what yeah that's kind of right and again it goes back to the vulner- vulnerability thing was like i'm a, i was yeah like the lack of structure here and stuff like was like oh shit like i definitely yeah. want i definitely want the structure and classes and everything and in the end being here especially my first year i like really struggled but like now i've like oh wait the lack of structure isn't how can you can you tell me like i'm something that i'm thinking about a lot as i'm trying to like build a you know build a design practice that kind of lets me do all the different things that i want to do the hardest part of that turned out not to be doing the work but setting up the framework to allow the work to happen and to be good you know what I mean? Like, like doing the type of work I want to do actually is the easy part, but setting up a structure where I can jump between a bunch of different things and, you know, make money and not just like waste time uh, was really hard. Like time management, mm-hmm. structure, all of that. How have you done that in, you know, because you're in like a nice place where you have you know there there is like a some there's a loose structure but it allows you to build what you want to build how exactly how, yeah. and, and you said you you struggled for the first year how did you kind of work through all of that or what's that look like for you now so i think the f- i only can speak for myself i can't speak yeah, yeah. for um i can't speak for how elliot thinks it works or how other students here have how this structure has made it work for them. But for myself, um, really it was just like (laughs) the lack of structure just made me get so fucking in my own head (laughs) that it like forced me to do shit, you know? And, um, yeah, it was like this, it's like this weird, like hitting rock bottom kind of thing. Um, but when you do that, you just see all these other avenues here. And, um, you know, I've done performances, I've done drawings, I've done like half of what I've done here has not been what you would normally classify as graphic design. And I, and in fact, I wouldn't, I wouldn't classify the performances or all that as graphic design. Like I'm, I'm not one of those people that like, Oh, graphic design can be everything or I don't know what it is. I know what graphic design is. It's, whatever wait what is graphic design because i don't know what it is i to me it's like 
we fucking, I don't know. Like we know it's books, it's tight, it's type and image together. Like we know what these things are. Like it communicates a message. It you know it has an audience. It has all these things. Um, but what I'm what I'm getting at though is performance, painting, you know, weaving, whatever can. When you dissect those processes, which is what I, to me, again, here at Cranbrook is about, is you're dissecting those processes and then trying to apply those processes to graphic design. Um, Can so you give in, me an example? So that, so that sure. Um, we have uh, one of my classmates, like, exclusively does paintings here. And again, he's in the graphic design department. Um, or the 2D department, we use that interchangeably. But, um, and, but, but his paintings in the end, how he paints, why he paints, the materials he uses, scale, you know, the, the, how he makes his compositions and all that. When you just, when he dissects all that and then goes to graphic design to make a poster or something here on campus, you know what I mean? His work now is going into a territory that it normally would not have gone. And what we're trying to do is consider what in the rest of the world outside of Cranbrook would consider experimental graphic design. We're trying to state, no, this is just graphic design. It's not experimental. This is the real shit. This is the truth. Like, this mm -hmm. is it. Um, so... Yeah, does that answer your question? Or as a one example, I mean the performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The performance thing was more of like theory for me, um, and the conversations that got built around that, mm -hmm. um, and that helped me again tackle theory that I wanted to do within graphic design. Um, but there's also this comedic aspect to it that I'm still like mm -hmm. looking into, like the stand-up comedy aspect to it. Yeah. Um, that still trying to like dissect but um yeah it, it's not it's not cranbrook's not this like oh just fuck around for two years <laughs> like it's we we get into it about like why we do what we do you know and we just we just did a, a my classmate just hosted a talent show and um it 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 got really into like politics and like how corporations function it had this socialist aspect to it but like really it was this experiment to or it was a means to experiment with grassroots operations within mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. art mm -hmm. and design um so yeah like it, it, i don't know it's it's a way to have fun it's it's trying to put i guess yeah the fun back into like what we do so i have two questions that may or may not be related. I'm curious both how your work, either how your work has changed or how you view your work since you've been at Cranbrook. And mm -hmm. then part B of the question, which is basically the larger version of the question, which is how has your views on graphic design changed since you've been at Cranbrook? So the first question was my... Your work specifically, and then just the idea of graphic design. Okay. Uh, uh, at the larger sense. Mm -hmm. 
how has my work changed? Well, in a way, it's like gone back to the black and white grunge kind of aesthetic uh, or the punk like Xerox thing. And I had I actually just wrote an essay at the end of my first year um, back in May. And yeah, I came to like, I mean, you know this. I've been putting things in that. Yeah that treatment, if you will, um, for a decade now, decade plus. And, and I was like, why, why do I keep coming back to this? Why do I think it looks good? And why do I care also what other people think? Like I believe in this Yeah. and I wrote this and I, with just that thought, I wrote this essay, um, as an artist statement for my critique and and yeah it just like it hit me that I've been I I think I've like mentioned this earlier is like I was running away from like what I know to be true Mm -hmm. Um, and so now I've really dived into this black and white thing um, and slowly gotten back into the habit of how like of the work we used to do outside of class you know yeah, um, because we don't have projects here, so we have to make everything on our own. But it's slowly gotten back into this uh, this approach that oh, I don't need content to make work necessarily, right? Um, or at least for now at Cranbrook, because again, like at least me personally, I don't know that I'm treating everything I do here that it has to be a portfolio piece. You know, right. like I have time to do that once I graduate, and but if if I don't hone in on these ideas now, if I don't make them concrete now, you know, I can't apply them or fight for them out in the real world when I'm designing for an agency or for myself or whatever. Um, so yeah, I, it just kind of diving head first into this black and white thing. Um, the idea of darkness right now is a huge, um, component. It's kind of like my thesis in a way, I think. Um, so I've written a lot about that and like how darkness can actually be a good thing. And it's kind of like that Marshall Berman mm-hmm. quote, I guess, um, that I read earlier. Um, and then the second question was... How is... Um, oh, did, how about is just design? how is graphic design changed in general? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I still... Still... <laughs> I'm still frustrated with it, you know, like, and that's the reason I'm, I came here and most of us came here. Um, but again, I think I have, um, or maybe I'm more, maybe now I'm excited though to get back into the real world. Um, I don't get me wrong. I don't want to leave grad school. I'm loving it here, but I mean more, more so I, I can't wait to, apply some of this shit to the real world and to try and put it out there in the world. I'm not saying that my crazy black and white stuff (laughs) is going to fly in the agency world right off the bat, but more so how I approach it, how I can talk about it, how, how the ideas of darkness can be more less about aesthetics and be more about meaning. Mm -hmm. Again, forget function. Like, how can they be more about meaning within work work? And I don't know, hopefully 
that can lead to something. After you finish at Cranbrook and you're back working again, and you already, you know, you, you had a career before that, how is it going to be different? Like what, whether it's process, whether it's kind of the type of work you do, mm-hmm. how, how has taken all these ideas, discovering these things about vulnerability and darkness and, and even things like, like the stand-up comedy kind of stuff, mm-hmm. how does that change how you see what comes next? Or how is what comes next different than what happened before? Um, I don't know. I mean, at the same time, like I'm trying not to think so much about yeah. after graduation. Again, trying to enjoy my time here and not have a panic attack about is anyone even going to fucking hire me after all this? But um, I mean, I'm asking you, I, I, I will just like be completely honest. I'm asking you that because I probably around the same time as where you are, now, when I was in my second year, it was the end of the first semester, and I, I all of a sudden I was like, "Did I do all this just to go back to the type of work I did before?" Mm-hmm. And all this other stuff that I did is weird. Like, no mm-hmm. one's gonna hire a portfolio filled with this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I, I remember like having that kind of panic of, how do you go to grad school and then come out with a radically different career i guess i guess for me though a lot of my work though particularly the darkness thing is about trying to find communities Mm. and people that you can rely on and and trying to just trying to just find an audience regardless of its size if it's three people Mm. In my mind, I've succeeded, you know, and I think most people should think that way, too. If you made three people happy with your work, I don't know, that's pretty good. So, yeah, these ideas of, yeah, like in, in at an agency or something, it's probably not going to happen, you know. I can probably do something fun or whatever. But at the same time, I don't know, it would be interesting to see um, what some of my classmates and I collaborate on doing afterwards and how maybe performance and all this can continue after being here. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know that I can answer that question. Yeah. I so mean, pointedly because again, I'm like, quite frankly, I don't know. Ask me in May <laughs> and I'll probably be like, Oh yeah, I fucked up. Like I, I did this all wrong, but I don't think um, you have. Yeah. Um, I have, (laughs) I mean, maybe you did, but I don't think so. (laughs) Uh, Can you talk to me about writing? Because I know, like, I was very surprised when you finished your first year. Most of the work that you showed me was essays and and writing. Mm -hmm. And how has that become a part of your work or a, a part of your process? Yeah. I mean, to go back to Sway, I think it was like the second to last episode. I think I was just so fed up with writing or design yeah, writing. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of why I was asking, yeah. Yeah, and... Um, and we should probably yeah, tell people that the Sway podcast I don't think is online anymore, and really, if it is, you don't need to listen to it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, we've yeah. talked about it enough. I'm afraid people are going to go look for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think in that episode, I was just, like, really fed up, and I, I don't think I did any writing for many years after that. Um and then coming here, we're forced to do it. Like um, mm. we we have critiques each week, 
Um, each student has to write twice a semester for another uh, student and, and their work. Um, so writing is a huge part of Cranbrook's curriculum here. Um, so just in that way, I, I was forced to write. And then also when you present work, uh, you have to make an artist statement at the end of that. So again, that's another writing opportunity twice a semester. Um, and uh, I, yeah, the frustration back then was just more of like what people were talking about. And, and, I, and also I was frustrated because I also believe that design criticism can, can be work itself. It doesn't have to be yeah. in the form of writing yeah. and talking. And I was more interested in that. Again, making work that's problematic, that critiques other work. Um, what that means, I don't know. Still trying to figure that out here. But um, that was something I wanted to see and why I like stopped writing. But yeah, now being here, having to write, I actually found my voice uh, being here. And again, like the way we write is very uh, critical, involves a lot of theory and contextualization. And it was funny because I was talking to my friends. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I want to like, I want to compare this work to the movie Forty Days and Forty Nights, you know? Like, and and it and it's it's funny how people are like, yeah, dude, like just write about that. Like, mm. if it makes sense, do it. And it's funny how that can be a better form of art criticism and design criticism than you know some academic bullshit that yeah. doesn't make sense to anyone other than the author if it even fucking makes sense to the author and and that's something else i i was tackling here was like and my frustration to go back years ago was like why is everyone going to talk academically like yeah. and um so now i just have this belief that like yeah if you can't explain it to an eight-year-old you probably don't know what you're talking about kind of kind of mentality and but but that but to to write in that way has led to yeah just all these different ways of viewing art viewing design mm. viewing the world um, and it's and it's just it's been a lot more fun to writing has been not just writing but criticism mm. has been a lot more fun um, and again I guess that's like back to what you're talking about of like wanting to be accepted is that you thought you had to write in a certain yeah. way and now you kind of you know yeah. i don't know have permission or kind of however you want to describe it to draw the connections right in the way that's you but it's also a, but but yeah it's and it's like someone it's not permission it's just someone being like yo your voice yeah. fucking matters you know and yeah. like you want to talk about teletubbies or something like if it's if it makes sense it makes sense regardless of if it's you know low vernacular or right, right. some high theory or whatever you know right um so yeah i guess that's how writing now has come back into my practice is that i found it to be more fun or not just writing again i'm when i say writing i think i mean more criticism how okay design criticism has become uh more fun for me can we talk about teaching a little bit? Sure. So, yeah. so you just start your like what a couple months into your first time ever teaching a class. Um, how? <laughs> I, and 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 I guess we should set this up that you know you and I have talked about teaching and what we would do if we were ever given the opportunity to teach, and I think some of that 
I think when I think about some of the things we talked about, there's a certain kind of young arrogance that we could kind of do things better. And now both of us are teaching and I'm curious, A, how that's going and and kind of like how how your thoughts on what it means to be a design educator have, how they've changed yeah. and kind of where you are with that. Um, teaching's pretty good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's... Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm glad to be doing it. Um, I'll, I'll be teaching two more classes next semester. Oh, nice. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it just also just amplifies all the problems I've always seen in design education. You know, I, I still think it's extremely dated. Um, and like I was handed a curriculum that I'm like forced to a syllabus that I'm forced to like stick stick wow. with. I got to change like one project um, <laughs> because I was like, yeah, this is like really dated. Um, <laughs> and then, but like on my own though, I've incorporated a lot of workshops mm. um, that are just may seem silly or fun or don't make any sense but like it's it's all there for a reason and i think the students are having a lot of fun with that um and again it just makes them question things and i think that's like i think that's like a kind of a thing that's missing a lot in like our projects like it's funny how the syllabus that was handed to me in michigan is the exact same syllabus that i did 10 years ago in pennsylvania you know like that's kind of fucked up and yeah, and those projects don't don't really get students questioning anything in a way. Yeah. Um, so that's been my major focus is to like get in. It's not yeah, get into the habit of of being diligent and also uh, get into the habit of inquiring about things. And are the students responding to that? Are they? Yeah, I mean, the I just got an email from a student who was like, hey, I'm working on these posters outside of class in the same way you and I were working on something. And it's like, and he's like, can I get feedback? I was like, yeah, dude, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, I just wrote him a six paragraph fucking email. (laughs) It was probably maybe too much. But, but it's, you know, I mean, that's, that's exciting, exciting to see. And um, yeah, it's, it, it, it it was a little shaky in the beginning, because I was like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing you know what I mean like I I worked with interns I oversaw interns but I, not 20 students but right. it, it's all manageable and you know what I mean has it I mean yeah for it was the same thing for me I feel like it was the first couple of weeks were so much harder than I ever thought it would be but then like around a month into it and everyone starts to kind of understand each other better yeah. and kind of like what's expected of you and you kind of start to see the personalities of the students and mm-hmm. then I, to me it's like a good month before things really start getting yeah. interesting so you mentioned i want to i want to like spend a little bit of time just talking about the work you're doing now because you've you've mentioned it a few times and we've kind of talked around it and so and and i don't actually know how the cranbrook model works for like a thesis so do you are you making you have to develop a body of work around a idea or like what where did how does this darkness idea how is that manifesting itself in work and what is the kind of goal of where this is all headed 
Right. So the darkness thing is more of theory. So that'll be what I have to write for my thesis. Um, but we do have to make work uh, for the thesis show at the end of the year that's in the Cranbrook Art Museum. Um, it's not a body of work. It's usually like just like one like okay. final, okay. you know, your swan song out of here. Um, so what that is, I'm, I'm nowhere close to, to knowing what that is, but that's oh, not and until then, May. Yeah. It's not until May. Okay. Um, and then the writing will just slowly evolve over time. Knowing me, it'll probably incorporate multiple essays not just like one thesis essay. Um, but that then has to be, uh, made into a book and designed Okay. And then that goes into the thesis archive here at Cranbrook, which, by the way, is great. You can, like, look up all the famous people, Lorraine Wilde, Andrew Blauvel, oh, nice. Elliot Earls. Yeah, they're all, all their books are down there. Um, but it's not just 2D. The, all, the, the, all the departments here at Cranbrook all have to make a book. So even artists in other departments, you can find their books down there. Oh, nice. Uh, so, yeah, those, those are, I guess the writing and the book kind of are one thing, and then the swan song piece is another okay. piece for the thesis. Yeah. Okay. And then how do you see this again? Like, I, I know you said you, you're not thinking about what comes after this and I'm not asking you what comes after this, but I am curious about all of this thinking that you're doing around darkness and vulnerability and community. How would you like to, this is a big question, but mm-hmm. I, uh, I trust you. How, 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 how would you like to see, or, or are there ways that you see design better incorporating these things? Uh, mm-hmm. The vulnerability one, I think, especially is really interesting to me of how design, which I think is so much about or is often thought of, I should say, as being some sort of kind of like control or there's like a certain, you know, kind of power that happens in mm-hmm. kind of putting out a piece of design. How do you how do you start to break that down? Um I kind of I'm gonna make a bold statement here, and thank God it's here at the end, so maybe I won't have to explain myself. <laughs> but um, um, I've I've come to this conclusion that art and design are like powerless within politics, and I came into grad school wanting to do all this like social justice stuff. You know, like Trump was still fresh in in my mind, and I think many people's minds. But all that shit, when you when you try to hit it head on, just ends up being like dorky and belligerent. Mm, yeah. And so that's what I mean by art and design are powerless in politics. Um, so instead, the idea of community and vulnerability and honesty and and all that kind of stuff. It's about it's it's about trying to instead make, for lack of a better term, like these grassroots kind of things that are maybe not necessarily about politics, but they inspire mm-hmm. thinking and and a belief in each other that can help get a message out or help fight against something for a cause or whatever. I hope this doesn't sound like I'm trying to explain your work to you, but you know you've mm-hmm. always been 
interested in the vernacular and in the grassroots and in the stuff that kind of comes up from the bottom instead of the stuff that's kind of put down from the top. And so it actually, if there's a theme to this conversation, it's that, you know, you've been kind of working towards this through all these kind of different ways. And it feels very much to me like a continuation of what you've always been trying to do. Mm-hmm. And, and it's funny, you know, all my life, I've felt like an outs- outsider and I believed in being an outsider. And now I'm at this point where it's like, maybe being an insider is actually the way to, uh, <laughs> like take all this, tear all this shit down, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess it's all just about like the old models don't work anymore, whether it's in education in design, whatever. So it's, yeah, I'm just, I'm trying to just be honest with myself and just be kind of courageous to put all this wild, wacky form and ideas out there and not, not as dogma, but as conversation starters with other people. Yeah. I love that. You know, I think, I I think that's like a, a nice way to kind of wrap all of this up and we started talking about how we've known each other for 10 years and we've been kind of like doing similar things in very different ways and kind of after similar things. And I, you know, I, I'm that this is why I kind of wanted you to have wanted you to be on this episode, because I've spent the last two years and you know, whatever 99 people talking to people who have inspired and influenced me and have like really shaped how I think about all these things. And honestly, I don't know if there's anybody who has had more of an influence on my thinking than you and the conversations that we've been having for 10 years. And so who better to celebrate this milestone with than literally a person who has kind of influenced the podcast kind of invisibly uh, from the beginning. And so I'm, I'm, thank you for all of these conversations and for doing this finally on the record. Uh, and just like for uh, always kind of pushing me in, into these different ways. I, I seriously don't know if this podcast would exist without our conversations. Yeah. And I mean, I can say all that right back to you. I really hope I didn't use the word regret over, over the, about the span of time between <laughs> undergrad and, and graduate. That, if I did, I, that's completely incorrect. Um, Disappointment I, I, is what I, you said. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, yeah I, it was more of like, oh, man, it, I was trying to make a point that it was a struggle. Yeah. That's all I meant. But yeah, I can say the same thing back to you in that like you've pushed me so many times and truly sway, however we regard it now, did give me a voice at the very least to form opinions and talk about all this. And yeah, I wouldn't be talking about fucking darkness right now <laughs> yeah. if it weren't for that. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for uh, being on the podcast. I seriously can't wait to see what what you do next thank you this episode was recorded on october 4th 2018 our theme music is by andy borgasani we're on twitter and instagram at surface podcast you can find us wherever you get your podcasts and at scratching the surface.fm thanks for listening